evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we're going to be talking about another loss, kind of a, a, a bad loss, I would say. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, maybe a player coming in, maybe a player going out, uh, the health of another player, <laughs> as cryptic as I could be. Uh, we're going to talk to former New York Red Bulls 2 player Sean McLaws, uh, who is playing for Wednesday night's opponent, uh, Harrisburg City Islanders. Uh, we're going to preview that game, and we're going to preview the game against Charlotte Independence uh, this weekend. Woo, that is a big show. Anthony. Anthony Merced. <laughs> I didn't introduce you, but I'm just going to say, Anthony, how are you doing tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing a lot better than this team's doing lately. That is for sure. This is a, it's a rough season so far for this, this squad. Uh, points per game, I think I saw them. Uh, they are 10th in the East. Uh, it's just things are not going well, and they're not going well in spurts. And John Wolnick was very vocal about it uh, after the game this this past weekend. Uh, I, I'm I'm struggling for the actual uh, quote, but uh, essentially saying that this team was lacking, you know, maybe that that fight or or that motivation on the pitch, which that is that's not a good thing. That's a real bad sign, I would say. I mean, I, I hate hearing that from the manager because that's kind of, you know, like, look, obviously the, the head coach can't go out there and play the game for these guys. But his one main job is to motivate these guys. So, so, so if he says that, you know, that, that kind of means that he's not doing a really good job of getting them to that point. I mean, but we're seeing the same thing happen with the first team as well, mm-hmm. where it's constantly uh, Jesse Marsh talking about how the team's not motivated um, and that that's just not an answer. I mean, this team, the team is not pressing. They're not looking like themselves or at least like their selves from last season at all. And I mean, it's just, it's more than just motivation at this point. Okay. Here's the actual, uh, quote from, from John, uh, pretty sure we got outworked, outpressed and out counterpressed. Just not a great effort from our guys top to bottom. It was disappointing. Uh, as People continued to sort of press, uh, or well, whoever was asking John the questions, um, you know, as certain players' performances. Uh, he goes on to say, not so concerned on finishing the chances. Uh, I'm more disappointed in our effort and approach mentalities. I just can't get past that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I fully agree with you that John is, uh, I mean, that is a huge part of the head coach is getting these guys up to play. Uh, what do you think is behind some of that that drop in terms of um, where they were last year and what they look like in matches versus where they are this year? Well, they're they're lacking in the depth that they had um, talent wise from last year, which is especially in the back line, which again sounds like you know we could be talking about both the first team and this team, um, but they they're not looking solid in the back. They're also just not pressing in the midfield at all. Like th- this game was really shocking, um, and and Bethlehem Steel was not great either. There mm-hmm. were some really really awful passes in the midfield that just went to nowhere that would hang there in the middle of the field for a few seconds before <laughs> a Red Bull player would come and collect it. And I'm just like, that's not a Red Bull team. Like they they're the ones that are forcing those turnovers, and they they would normally hop all over that, and none of that was happening in this game. Um, 
yeah, it was. It's just I, I, I don't know what it is. If it's, um, are they even training the same way that they did before? Um, it just doesn't. It doesn't seem. It, it, it seems. I don't want to call it neglect, but it, it seems like the level of caring and um, attention to detail. Caring about the detail just isn't there as it was in the last two seasons. Yeah. Because even in 2015, they did not look... They look sharp. They look like they just didn't quite have it right. um, in key areas, but they always look sharp. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with that. Uh, in this game, you know, <laughs> it was a lopsided 2 nothing victory, I think, for uh, Beth Steele. Uh and I mean, if you look at if you look at the stats and the and the possession, uh, it, Red Bull should have been all over this game. One place where maybe they uh, underperformed and have continued to underperform this year were shots on target, uh, where they were beat five to four despite winning total shots twelve to nine. Um, their uh, possession sixty percent uh, to <laughs> 60-40. So, I mean, they had a ton of the ball. They had chances. They just they did not look like a cohesive unit. Uh, on the other side of things, um, Adam Najem continues to bite this team uh, for trading away his rights. Although it wasn't it wasn't Red Bull two, it was Red Bull one that traded those rights away to Philadelphia. Um, Tim Schmoll, uh, not not a great performance from him. He was filling in uh, as obviously Justin Bilio is no longer there. Uh, they apparently rate him higher than uh, Abador, which. Um, that seems to be a change from, from weeks past. Uh, but Jordan Scarlett, uh, picked up a hamstring injury during a scrimmage last week. Um, it was a USL PDL scrimmage and they figured with the amount of, of, uh, games and uh, squad rotation that was already planned better to just let him rest. Um, but he, he still could miss tomorrow's game just, you know, uh, as far as that's concerned. Uh, but, uh, Tim Schmoll, I thought, was admirable in his duties, but still, I mean, you could still see the struggles that that are there for him uh, this year compared to where he was last year. Uh, despite he did a good job, you know, uh, covering and maybe making some recoveries and blocking shots, but it's it's still just not good enough uh, from the backline in general, but uh, especially Tim Schmoll. What I don't understand is, um, and and I I, I can get it that um, maybe there were they weren't happy with Justin Bilyeu, but this team continues to subtract guys without announcing or or even seeing seeming like they have anyone to fill in for the holes. Justin Bilyeu may not have been great, but he was serving a purpose. And now that Jordan Scarlett is you know banged up again, I mean. They're going to put out the same lineup as they, you know in the back line as they did yesterday. They're, I mm-hmm. mean, on yesterday on uh, on Sunday, it's like it, there's this team continues to subtract without putting pieces in place that could be proper replacements. I mean, at this point, I mean, look, Abador is a midfielder, so you know, okay, maybe you can slot him into the back line. I mean, if Bonomo's ready, he played back there once, but like it's it's not they aren't hopeful signs when you see guys getting cut and nobody of note coming in. Yeah. I mean, there, we can get to that in a little bit. There is maybe somebody on the horizon 
um, that could take that spot that Justin Billy was occupying. Yeah, not a center back, spot. but he's not he's not a center back. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. Andrew Andrew Lombard is someone who's getting healthy, and maybe he's someone that could also fill in there. But um, he's really I don't know. I think he's more of a wing back, and not sure if you want to keep doing that uh, miscast uh, back line. Uh, and hoping for for better results, especially as the season goes on. You know they've got games in hand on some of these teams in front of them, or sorry, uh, the teams in front of them have games in hand on Red Bull, uh, so they really can't afford to let too many points slip away if they really do want to be in the playoffs. Uh, on the plus side, uh, the East is so congested right now that you know uh, win two games in a row here uh, or drop two games there. Uh, can put you in third place or last place, you know? So uh, I don't think it's, you know, maybe DEFCON, what is it, one? Is is five the worst or what for DEFCON? Five's the worst. All right, so it's not DEFCON five yet, but it, it, it's definitely getting there. Um, one other thing of note in this game uh, before we get to uh, who was maybe the GOAT, uh, Brandon Allen pulled at halftime. Again, we talked about, uh, that there's going to be squad rotation because they have so many games coming up, uh, inc- including a game against uh, one of the hottest teams in the league right now, especially in the East. Uh, was a- was Allen being pulled because of performance or uh, to save minutes and his legs for this this congested week? I would hope that it's minutes because they they have had no other strike option come in there and be effective at putting the ball in the back of the net. It has been him, him, and only him. So, you know, taking him off the field, even if he, uh, you know, Bradley Bar Phillips had this against Philadelphia recently. You know, you can go 88 minutes being completely ineffective, but if you're a good goal scorer, you're going to find an opportunity to make it happen in the game. And pulling him, if it was for his performance, only 45 minutes is just not that, you know, you're really taking your, your best strike option out of the game and hurting yourself so i i would hope that it's that it was for uh saving him for some of the later games this week yeah i, I could see that uh, okay if you had to pick the goat for this match uh, who is it who's who performed the least admirable? yikes um they can't, can't pick just one i feel like um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Tim Schmoll because I, I think that there are moments where he was really good, but there's other moments where he just he, – he didn't use his size. He didn't get himself into the right positions, um, doubled up on the wrong player sometimes. So I'm, I'm going to go with him. I'm going to give mine to the man who replaced uh, Brandon Allen uh, at halftime, and that is Douglas Martinez. Uh, you know, Obviously, the New York Red Bulls midfield was struggling a little bit uh, but Martinez, the striker on the field, had zero shots. Period. And you're you're not going to win games if your target man is not even getting on the ball in dangerous places. Uh, no chances created. Yeah, he was awful. No shots. <laughs> yeah, that that was bad showing. And I I've liked what I've seen from him so far, but this was just not a good match for him. Okay, uh, a couple more things to go through before we, we move on. Uh, we already talked about Jordan Scarlett. Uh, he is injured again. Um, hopefully is not a major injury, though it is a ham- hamstring, which you know they could linger and be problematic. Um, 
Brandon Allen rumor uh, about him moving to Minnesota is something that seems to be refusing to die, but the current evidence that we have does not support a move. Uh, Obviously, he was starting this past weekend. Uh, He trained today. Uh, Not really any conclusive reason why he would be on the move, but, you know, I guess that, that is a case... Uh, that is not yet settled. And then as our pal Eric Friedlander pointed out, we were talking about Noah Powder last week. He has been cited at Red Bull Training. Uh, what that means for him in terms of uh, coming back into the team, we're not sure yet. Uh, obviously, fullback help would, would certainly be a good thing for this squad. Um, center back help is probably more important right now, but still uh, a player like Noah Powder can go a long way into putting some pressure uh, into the offensive third, which is something that uh, Red Bull are struggling with right now. Um, so, I, I mean, look, if Noah's coming back into the team, that, that's a good thing, but there, there are still some more moves that I think will need to be made in order to um, shore up some of the problems of the team. Maybe they can make Cutler a striker again. <laughs> I don't think he's been so bad on the back line, but it's, it's clear he is uh, still adjusting. But I, I don't think that he's been responsible for a goal after that Pittsburgh. No, match. no. Yeah. No, I don't mean that as a, as a knock that he's done bad in his position. I mean, if, you're gonna, if oh, you are going to bring in a guy who's going to be in that position, maybe you can let him do what he did more of in college. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk to you, Sean McLaws. Stick around. And we're back. We are joined now by one-time New York Red Bulls uh, wingback, Sean McLaws, uh, currently playing for Harrisburg City Islanders. Sean, thank you so much for doing the show. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, so, obviously, it's been a while since maybe New York fans have heard from you. They, they've definitely seen you uh, playing against the Red Bull 2 team. Uh, what was that transition like, uh, leaving your first pro team and, and kind of having to move on? Uh, it was actually kind of a difficult transition for me because um, I got released pretty late into preseason. So when you get released late, like a lot of teams already have spots filled. And especially even in the USL, like if you try to get a team like late in March, most teams already have a full roster at that point. So that was actually kind of tough for me. Um, so then I ended up in Harrisburg. Uh, they offered me a contract and I, I took it right away because there's not a ton of options that late in the process, but it's been good since I've been here. I've enjoyed it. The USLs, I mean, it's not an easy level, even with the MLS, USLs, both very tough leagues. So it's been good being here though. Uh, was it a, was it a big shock when that release came down? You spoke about it being obviously um, late in the preseason um, or was it something that you kind of expected giving at that time, uh, the depths in the back? Um, no, it wasn't like, it was definitely a surprise to me, obviously, because you're there with the guys every day and you, you feel so a part of the team and everybody's a part of the team that's there. But then, uh, when that happens, obviously most of the time you don't expect it. It's just something that comes out of the blue, whether they need like 
a different piece or it's just not working for you. But I mean, it's a business and they have, they have their needs. So that's completely understandable. But yeah, it was definitely a surprise, but it's all in stride. It's part of the business, part of soccer. Now, obviously uh, playing for an MLS two side versus an independent team like Harrisburg, uh, they have sort of differences in, in their approach to uh, how they integrate players. Uh, what's your experience been like? And, um, uh, what kind of differences have you experienced in particular? Uh, yeah, so we don't have an affiliate, so we don't get players sent down and uh, academy players coming up. So that's good from a perspective that you're always with the same guys every week. You're training with the same players. You get to know them a little better. Um, so that's, that's a very positive point. But at the same time, then there's not always... Um, like once you have your starting spot, it's kind of you're just competing against the same guys, so that's a very beneficial thing than other people coming down and then they're starting over you, vice versa. So that's kind of that's the really tough aspect about the USL uh, with the affiliates. You got players coming down, starting over players that are on the USL team, and then the MLS player steps in and they get pushed down, which is tough for the USL player to deal with. But at the same time, it makes them fight a little more, I guess. Uh, when you were with uh, Red Bull 2, they were, the talk was always uh, it's a team of, about developing players and getting them ready for uh, MLS eventually. With Harrisburg, is, uh, how, how different is that? Or do they kind of see themselves as, um, not, you know, in, in a good way, a, a stepping stone for some of their younger players like yourself to uh, make the move up to MLS? Yeah, I think Harrisburg really um, sees themselves as a club that, likes to try and push players on. They've definitely had players in the past that have uh, either been in the MLS, got dropped down, trained there for a year or two and moved back up, or they didn't make it to the MLS. They were in the USL. They were grinding for a year or two years, and then they've had players step up. Uh, I know they've had a couple players go to the union after a year or two with um, Harrisburg. So they definitely like to see themselves as pushing players on and getting to the next level and helping them reach their goals. Which is, which is great. That's what you want from any team. Uh, Sean, uh, changing gears a little bit, I'd like to talk a little bit about your, your journey to the pro game. Uh, you grew up, I believe, in Oklahoma. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, and you then traveled out to Coastal Carolina uh, for college. What, what uh, facilitated that move? Um, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, so... Going from Oklahoma to Coastal Carolina, it's pretty far away. Um, there's not a ton of soccer schools in Oklahoma. I think there's only two Division One soccer schools, and both of them are relatively small. Um, I was getting recruited to one of the smaller D1 schools there. And then my junior year, I had always played ODP, and I had done that since I was little. I just went every year to the ODP camps. And then my junior year, I was in Alabama training, and then I got recruited by – uh, Sean Docking, who's the coach at Coastal Carolina, he um, he helped run the ODP camps there, and he saw me, and then he emailed me, and then I ended up going out for a visit. And uh, as soon as I went to the campus, I was like, obviously, it's where I want to be. It's nice, right by the beach, good soccer school. So, yeah, I, I committed pretty quick to there once they started recruiting me. You are uh, listed as as one of the you know success stories from that program, along with Joseph and Gwenya and uh, your teammate Pedro Ribeiro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah he's now my teammate which is kind of cool we're back playing together as pros which is something that doesn't happen too often 
from like our school especially but any school it's tough to play with former teammates um going back a little bit to red bull too what was your uh you you would say you're the most memorable thing that you remember playing on that team um the most memorable thing that's a that's a tough question um i think um with the playoff game against Pittsburgh, I think we won. It was a high-scoring game, I remember. We won at the arena. I'm not sure the exact score, 3-2 or 4-3, but I know that was that was a pretty big game for us then. We were back and forth. Um, nobody expected us to even make the playoffs, especially being the first-year team. So that was a pretty cool highlight. But just just all the guys on that team, it was a good, it was a good team. I enjoyed it a lot. One of the guys on that team is also a uh, current teammate of yours, Manolo Sanchez. Uh, did that make the transition a little bit easier, having someone like that uh, in the squad that you were familiar with? Uh, yeah, so it's actually my second year in Harrisburg. Oh, that's right. That's so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm going into my second year. I'm getting old now. Um, <laughs> no, it's my second year of my contract here, and Manolo actually came in this year. Um, he was oh, looking right. for a new team, and I, I told San the coach Antonio about it. Last and, yeah, year? he joined in. Do what? He was with San Antonio last year, is that right? Yes, he was okay. with San Antonio last year. Yeah, so I actually think I helped the transition for him. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's crazy how you meet people through soccer and then you play with them one year and then you don't see them for two or three years and then you're back on the same team, which is the beautiful thing about soccer. You make best friends for life. Yeah, it's a strangely incestuous sort of uh, relationship throughout all of U.S. soccer, I feel. Uh, there's a lot of uh, comings and goings with players that uh, have been teammates at one time or another. Uh, yeah, it fluctuates so much. I mean, even with coaches, you could see a coach that maybe you had in college and now he's a professional coach or you had this coach here or this trainer there and then everybody moves around and then you'll go somewhere and, and you'll meet somebody new or somebody will come in on trial. Like I have people that I know that come in on trial that I didn't, I didn't know they were coming on trial and then, I show up at training and they're at practice and I'm like, I mean, I played with you somewhere along the way. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool about soccer. And uh, there, are, there aren't very many um, players left on the Red Bull two that were there in 2015, but uh, do you keep, uh, do you keep t- in touch with any of the guys that are there now? Uh, yeah. So when I was there, my uh, three of my roommates, my roommates were Manolo Chris Personas, Stefano Bonomo, and Chris Duval. I mean, I keep in great touch with all those guys. Uh, Chris Duval is obviously in Montreal now. I mean, we're great friends. We talk all the time, but Bonomo's still there. And Mm -hmm. me and Bonomo talk a lot, but he's been injured, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, I I mean, I keep in touch with some of the guys, uh, but those guys mainly. Um, So this season with the, the Islanders, he kind of got off to a pretty good start, uh, obviously beat this New York team at home, uh, and then mm-hmm. went on to beat Bethlehem Steel immediately afterwards, and then things kind of slowed down a little bit. Uh, in your opinion, you know, where, you know, what are the struggles uh, within the team that, that you guys are maybe trying to overcome? Uh, yeah, so I think our record is it's a little tough because I think we actually have a very good team this year, much better than last year. But, um, I mean, everybody in the USL has gotten a lot better. So we've been trying to raise our level. Um, we got off to a couple of rocky stars where we played games where we thought we should have won, and then we ended up giving up that one goal, and then we ended up losing the game. 
but I think our possession has been pretty good for the most part of all the games. I think we just we need to find a way to score earlier often because usually we, we get a lot of chances. We get a lot of chances, and then if we concede a goal, then it, it hurts us. So if we can find a net early, I think we're a pretty tough team to beat. So that's what we'll be looking to do for, for the future and the rest of the games coming up. Uh, and then the, and for you now, you, you know, you've seen this league grow uh, so much over the last two years. Uh, is Has the travel become something that uh, you have to prepare for a lot more now, considering the, the fact that Eastern Conference has ballooned to as many teams as it is? Uh, yeah, the, the travel is the worst thing about the USL. It's tough because it's not like um, the MLS where you're flying everywhere, right? You have to. You usually have to bust a majority of games, and I mean that definitely takes a toll on the body. Uh, you definitely have to prepare. You have to take care of your body, hydrate, eat better, um, just to be prepared for those long trips. And then those you have quick turnarounds in the USL a lot because there's a lot of games in a short time period. So it's definitely tough. Travel is is tough in the USL, and um, yeah, it's something you have to really mentally prepare for. Uh, speaking of mentally preparing for uh, something, you've got a big game uh, coming up tomorrow against your former team. Is that something that uh, it's, you could still uh, maybe get up a little bit more for, uh, maybe looking for a little bit of revenge? Or is it something that now, as time has continued to to pass, dissipates a little bit? Uh, no, it's not. I definitely don't think of it like, oh, I gotta, I'm getting up for revenge. I mean, obviously, I think of it as just another game, but obviously when I'm playing that game, Obviously, when I see, like, friends on the other side of the pitch, um, people that I play with, like Metzger and Bonomo and Rafi, um, or I see John and Ibra on the bench, like, obviously, I know them, and Hector, the equipment manager, obviously, I want to play good in front of them because uh, they're my friends and they're people that I know well. Um, so that definitely gives you a little motivation. But, no, it's just it's just a regular game. It's nothing different. All right, before we let you go, we've got... Uh, are five questions that we've been, I think five, maybe six. <laughs> I, I say five, but I, I, I'm not sure if I'm doing six anymore. Anyway, uh, we're going to keep these very fast. Uh, they're mostly yes or no, or one choice or the other. Uh, they are somewhat irrelevant. Uh, are you ready? Hi. Okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. <laughs> Number one, popcorn, yes or no? Maybe. I'm not a big popcorn guy, no. Uh, I like that. I feel oh. like that's happened more and more now. Okay, Anthony. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog or Super Mario? Sonic the Hedgehog. Our first, my first oh. uh, rec soccer team was named the Sonics. So. Oh, there you go. You got to go with that then. Uh, Arsene Wenger, in or out? Out. Ooh. Um, Wayne Rooney, Boston Everton. What? No. Ah, uh, fun. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. FIFA or Pro Pro Evo Soccer? FIFA. All right, you heard it here. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, we wish you the best of luck tomorrow. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. You too. And when we come back, we're going to preview the games against Harrisburg City and, of course, Charlotte Independence. Stick around.
back with our final segment. We've got two games to preview this week. Uh, one is against an opponent uh, that you know fans should feel at least some confidence about uh, taking down. The other against uh, a current Eastern juggernaut. Let's start with the Harrisburg City Islanders. They're sitting now in 12th place. Uh, they are on 16 points with a record of 4-8-4. Four, and four. In the last five games, they're 2-3-0 and oh, with wins over Louisville City and Toronto FC2. We talked to Sean McLaws before. He mentioned uh, that Harrisburg can be very good if they score early. They did that against Louisville City and then locked it down to win one nothing against a, a pretty good squad in Louisville City. Uh, they have losses against Charlotte, Bethlehem Steel, Rochester, all very solid teams. So it's not like they're... Um, losing to you know lesser competition one thing that they are struggling with this year is uh their scoring no one on the squad has more than two goals uh, that is exactly the same thing that we said the last time that these teams met and speaking of that game red bulls won three to one uh at home at msu park and then the first meeting between these two teams was the one nothing win uh, at Red Bull Arena for Harrisburg City with a goal from your favorite player, Manolo Sanchez. Obviously, this they're, they're coming off of a very poor performance. Uh, they are shorthanded uh, in terms of the back line because of the injury now to, to Jordan Scarlett and uh, Justin Bilyeu being released, which we had already discussed. Uh, is there is there room for confidence uh, playing a team like Harrisburg City, or is this you know are, is this a death march at this point until they get some replacements? It's not a death march, but it's I can't say that I feel confident about any team that go up against at this point because of the fact that they they just don't look like themselves. Um, if they were losing but pressing the game and it was just a little bit of bad luck, I'd say, okay, you know, they're those they're, they're going to convert on some of those chances. But they're going to continue going out there and play a game where they don't press, where they don't force turnovers, um, where they don't get the ball wide, and the best they can do is take shots from outside the box. Um I, I don't feel confident about that, even against a team that hasn't that um, isn't doing as well in Harrisburg. One thing that I do think about uh, in terms of Red Bull being able to defend against Harrisburg, obviously they like to sit back and counter, but they don't have a tremendous amount of speed, and uh, a lot of their their goal scoring has kind of been from set pieces. Uh, Tim Schmoll and Hassan Adam might be good for that type of game um so maybe that's that's sort of a a positive that red bull fans can look at heading into this match um i think ethan cutler and david jem are still playing well enough uh, at the wing back position but where i'm most concerned is uh the guys in front of them derek etienne uh played there on the wing last game with zico lewis uh, we've seen Junior Fleming and Florian Velo. Um, Andrew Tenari has even gotten some time there. Uh, it's just that, I think, is is what's really killing the team this year. Florian Velo and Junior Fleming's uh, were, were both kind of uh, fantastic last year. 
and look like difference makers. This year, both of those players are struggling. And yes, I understand that um, they both have had knocks that they're recovering from, but uh, I think that's that's the killer part of the team, and that's true about the, the first team, too, that the wings are just not contributing maybe as much as they need to be. Uh, and that's allowing teams to kind of focus on Brandon Allen, forcing him to drop deeper to get the ball, which puts him in places where he's not as effective. And uh, sloppy turnovers in the midfield from, you know, Arun Basulovic and um, uh, Dan Metzger, who I think the two of them aren't really meshing particularly well, despite them being talented players. I, I'm not sure I like that that pairing. And then, of course, Vincent Besicourt, has has really kind of fallen off after a really hot start to the season. Yeah, there's there's except for maybe Derek Etienne and Zico Lewis. I mean, there's not many guys in this team that you can look at and say, yeah, they're 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 playing a solid game uh, these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Junior Fleming's in particular is we're at the point now where it's worrisome. He may never be what he was last year again. I mean it. He's lost that explosiveness, and at this point, considering the amount of games that he's played, we're beyond the, well, he needs to get back into the speed of it. He should be there already. And the fact that he's not is extraordinarily worrisome. And, I mean, we talked to this guy last year, and he talked about wanting to play on the first team somewhere in MLS. He And we, we believed him yeah. last year with how dynamic he was. All of that, that explosiveness, the dynamic play, um, making things happen, drawing fouls, none of that's happening for him. He's very much a mediocre player this season. Yep, and that has been a big, big problem for this team. Um, okay, let, let's let's look at Harrisburg City. Where, where do they worry you the most in terms of what they bring to the attack? Is it um, Aaron, Aaron Wheeler or Andrew Wheeler? I feel it's bad. Andrew Wheeler. Andrew Wheeler. Okay. Is it yeah. Andrew Wheeler and his strength up top and sort of being able to push around uh, whoever's going to be guarding him? Um, Pedro Ribeiro, who's looking crafty. Uh, obviously, you know, across the board, they're struggling to score, which we, we talked about. But uh, I still think that there is talent within these guys. James Thomas uh, can cause some problems. Um, Cardell Benbow, uh, who we saw play a very good game. Uh, at MSU Park, despite you know the result for his team, um, and you know th- there's these guys, but I'm not sure there's dif- a difference maker on that side uh, of someone that should really worry Red Bull fans. It is Aaron Wheeler. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, it is Aaron. Oh, I thought Aaron. it was Andrew. Whoops. Take that. <laughs> uh, oh, because I've never been wrong before. <laughs> oh, I, I know you're wrong all the time, Anthony. I'm okay with it. I'm I, I'm only wrong some of the time. Sixty <laughs> percent of the time, you're wrong every time. Every time. <laughs> uh, um, the uh, yeah, I, I think Benbo is is one of the guys that I'm looking at. The the thing that that worries me is this team giving up something in the midfield and getting caught on the counter. Yeah. Um, they have made slow teams look fast because of the fact that they give up the ball in really, really bad places. So if they do that, guys like Benbo, who are a bit more accurate on, at net, um, scares me in that sense. So, yeah, I, th- th- this is one of those games that they lose. It's, it's going to because it's because they lose it, 
not because um, you know they were outplayed by the other team. I expect them to have majority possession. I expect them to somewhat boss the game around because I don't think that Harrisburg is really all that all that difficult of a team to unlock. Yeah. Look, but they're, at the they're same gonna let time, them, they're yeah. gonna let them have that possession. I don't think there's any doubt yeah. there. Uh, it's just whether or not they can do something with that, uh, which is is the the big question there, I suppose. Uh, in terms of you know how they play, you just have to look at total number of passes. The Red Bulls have almost eight thousand passes, and Harrisburg sixty five hundred. Uh, with a lot less than that successful. Um, they're averaging 404.6 per 90 minutes, and the Red Bulls 458. That That's a significant amount. Um, their propensity for the long ball uh, is obviously much higher than New York, who likes to play through the middle. And you know that kind of feeds into that, that same thing that we keep talking about, about uh, getting caught on the counter. Uh, so let's get a, a prediction. What's the, what's the score here? I'm going to say that this one is going to be um, – this is a 1-1 game. That, I think, is a pretty good prediction. I'm feeling a little bit better about this uh, just because when when the team plays that badly, I feel like John is going to turn things around a little bit uh, for them. So I'm going to call this a 2-1 victory for the New York Red Bulls. I got to play the part of the uh, the optimist this time around. I think. Yeah, that, that's just kind of strange because normally I'm the optimist. Now, one team that is going to be super optimistic about their chances is the team that, when we last talked about them, they were languishing at the bottom of the table. They could barely score yes, a are. goal. Uh, you know, we talked to uh, not Brad Burnett. Um, oh man, I feel bad. I forgot who we talked to. <laughs> I you know, forgot I, his name it was jake jake oh i'm gonna look it up now and i'm gonna pretend i remember it out on my own you ready all right hold on hold on oh yeah we talked to that guy uh jason bailey it wasn't jake that was terrible <laughs> and you know you're the worst <laughs> yeah we really are jason uh was pretty vocal about his disappointment in the team and the troubles that they were having and how bad they were and things weren't going to get better and then what happens they destroy the new york red bulls 2 5 to 1 uh, that win kickstarts their season they are now in third place they are the hottest team in the east they've won five of their last five games uh granted some of this isn't the greatest competition uh st louis pittsburgh rochester richmond and harrisburg city uh but wins are wins the table does not discriminate based on who you're defeating uh jorge herrera and enzo martinez who were anemic in that discussion that we we spoke about before are uh lighting it up maybe we maybe (laughs) maybe we're responsible they've now got nine goals for jorge herrera and eight for enzo martinez uh who are you know moving up the table in terms of um the Golden Boot Race, Jorge Herrera and Alex Martinez uh, have been uh, the guys also, you know, uh, creating the chances for the team, each of them with four assists, Enzo Martinez with two assists. Uh, Charlotte is just, I mean, whatever whatever they needed to turn it around, they found it and have been really, really good. 
uh, in the last, I don't know, how many, however many games that was since they first played the Red Bulls. Uh, and they have games in hand, in hand on teams above them. So they could well be uh, moving up the table some more in the next couple of weeks, especially as Charleston and Louisville start to slow down a little bit. Yeah, I think that this is a, this is a team that could make a strong run for the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, momentum is everything in the USL. So when you get on the shoot, we saw this with um, the Real Monarchs out in uh, in the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, you really get on that good streak, and it can carry you for weeks on end, especially the way the schedule um, puts games really close to each other. So guys, you know, don't lose that that feeling of winning quite so quickly uh, as as they might in MLS when they have like a week and a half off. Um, so yeah, this is. I, I don't feel good about this one at all. <laughs> and they've been a really good team on the road too. Uh, surprisingly, yeah. they've they've only lost once in their last ten matches. Uh, it's like magic. I used to say this about um, the one team uh, with I think it was New England Revolution, where New England would beat them, and then something would happen from from that victory where they wouldn't win another game for like another two months. Uh, so it's like the opposite effect here that uh, whoever's beating the Red Bulls are going on to have, you know, fantastic little runs, be it uh, Charlotte Independence or Ottawa Fury a couple of weeks before that, Uh, Bethlehem Steel, who started okay, but uh, turned it on definitely after they got that first win uh, against the New York. Well, maybe not. They were were already playing pretty well at that point. Um, so I don't know what it is about this team, but they're catapulting other teams uh, into successful places. Uh, Charlotte is just, I mean, they've been really solid. They give up some goals, but their their offense is, is very, very difficult to deal with. Uh, we know that they could break very quickly uh, if New York presses too many numbers forward. Uh, so this, this one definitely just has danger written all over it. Uh, let's get a prediction from you. This is at home at MSU uh, Park. Three, two, Charlotte. Ooh. I wonder if it would be that close. I'm going to say three to one, Charlotte. And this is going to be one of those matches where I think there's going to be a lot of hand wringing, not just from John, but from the players as well. Uh, some guys, maybe you're going to start to look at their their security, their job security in terms of uh, finishing out the season with the club. But mm, yeah. we shall see. Um, that brings us to the end of the show this evening. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at Attitude AJM. And our, uh, our brother from another mother who uh, hasn't been making as many shows as we'd like recently. Um, <laughs> Mr. Bill. He is at Bill T N J, and of course that is on Twitter. We, if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. You can come to our website, RaisingBulls.com. You can uh, find us on Facebook at Facebook.com/RaisingBulls. Uh, you can send us emails to questions at RaisingBulls.com. Of course, you can uh, find us on iTunes and Google Play and or Google Play, whatever, <laughs> and Stitcher, pretty much wherever 
wherever it is that you want to get your your podcast from we're there but what you need to be doing is finding us and giving us reviews and rating the show uh, because it really does help people we need all the help we can get each one of us every day uh I don't know where I'm going with that. Other big news for me today is the day that I officially uh, released my EP, Nebula. It is out. You can also find that on iTunes and Google Play and Amazon and uh, Spotify. Uh, you can go to my Bandcamp page, acousticboomerang.bandcamp.com. Uh, it is out there, and I am glad to be done uh, wrangling that in and... Uh, coming up with the uh, release party stuff and like all that's over now I'm very very happy it's over I can go back to writing about soccer and uh, just kind of watching whatever happens with that but you know go out there listen to it if you were uh, good people and uh, also rate and review that that would be helpful mucho yeah and while you're at it go read um Go read about all the New York teams on my site, nycsoccerworld.com. There you go. Why aren't you there already, guys? You should be reading about Anthony's teams on NYC Soccer World. It should be it should be bookmarked, and you should go there often You know, find out about all the New York teams. You know you want to go there. You know you want to troll Anthony. Why aren't you doing it already? There's, there's something magical that happens when uh, uh, fans want to really troll a writer. Uh, in terms of traffic, so <laughs> an, an angel gets their wings. That's exactly right. An angel gets their wings. So you know, find my album. Go to Anthony's site. Uh, you can also read my writings at SBI Soccer. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna keep spouting off until someone cuts off the mic. Last week, I apologized for the technical difficulties. Uh, when I added the commercial to the front of the show, I forgot to change the automation for the fade out. So uh, while we're talking about glow and wrestling, all of a sudden the show just faded out for about a minute and a half uh, before the exit music started. So <laughs> my apology. That is so sad. It really is so sad. Um, All right, guys, Uh, we will see you next time for Anthony Merced and Sean McLaws and myself. Have a good night.